Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. COVID-19, red meat, high blood pressure, smoking, inactivity, and now... Add to the list of items to avoid a heart attack, Pittsburgh Steelers football. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's November 2nd, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. The Steelers steal one from the Baltimore Ravens, winning 28-24 to with their usual flair for drama. But it doesn't matter how you get there, does it? You know what? It isn't. Uh, this is much better than last year's eight and eight record from last year. I am actually hoping you, Nicholas, and I shall get to five hundred this weekend on our bets because we're now three and four and badly needing the Bucks to beat the Giants by thirteen tonight. I think that'll be okay. And I think if you're a betting kind of man or betting kind of woman, why don't you just ride the Pittsburgh Steelers because they never lose, baby, and you should ride them over at Bet Online. Football, about halfway through, one team has cleared the sands of time away from the path and and grabbed the lance of victory by the hilt or the shaft. Either way, the Steelers are great. Bet on them every single week at Bet Online because they are going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on all the action imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Maybe there's some Tomlinisms you can bet in on the uh, bet on in the press conferences. Maybe you just bet against the poor old Jets, although their lines are going to keep going up and up and up. So that might actually become a fun ride for you. I'll tell you this much: it's a good bet to bet on the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers when they get into the game. And Bet Online sure as hell can let you do that. So head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, ching your online sportsbook experts. I first need to acknowledge a mistake I made. When I tracked our bets, I line up all the games and the spreads between them. I had the Steelers with minus three and a half, so I was thinking we barely eked out a victory. But in fact, mysteriously, the Steelers were getting three and a half points in this game. (laughs) Hey, you know what? I need something more creative to say other than a tale of two halves. It is so redundant. But it is so it's like illustrative, clockwork. huh? It's so it's like descriptive. Yeah, yeah. Every single I mean, game. the Browns game was the only thing that we could really sit back and just light the cigar early. You get one of those a year, 
a couple years ago it was against the Carolina Panthers midway through the season wearing the all black color rush uniforms. Then it was against the Tennessee Titans on a Thursday night. Again, the all black color rush uniforms, usually anywhere from week six to eight. So I guess the Browns fulfilled that uh, requirement for this year. And then otherwise, yeah, the Steelers are always making more of a game of something than it needs to be. And this is not, that's not the case with Baltimore because Baltimore's fantastic, obviously, but they were unspeakably bad in the first half, the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger tying his all-time low for pass yards and a half with 24 yards, comes out in the second half, immediately throws a 24-yard completion, doubling up on his yardage. Obviously, they turned it around very nicely in the second half, but this entire game comes down to one thing, which you can make a couple points from. It's Lamar Jackson's turnovers. And... The Steelers, in my mind, got five of them because the whole ground helping you make a catch rule is so dumb. I just can't believe that. Joe Hayden jumped on a ball. Uh, you know, he jumped the route, made that interception in the air. His hands were squeezed tight around the thing the whole time. Yeah, it touched the ground, but it was never out of his grasp. They should have counted that damn thing. So that'd be five turnovers. But four turnovers actually went on to the ledger, right? And at many points during the game, the Baltimore Ravens were able to run will on the Steelers and so is that concerning yeah I mean Tyson Alu-Alu went out after the first series so you lose some depth there Cam Hayward uh, was kind of in and out at the very end of the game and obviously you didn't have uh, Chris Wormley former Raven so yeah you were lacking some depth but the Ravens were able to run all over the Steelers and we'll talk about this as we go along but I'm not going to say it doesn't concern me but I will just say this. There's, there's no other teams that can run the way the Ravens run because no other team has Lamar Jackson where you have to be scared of them running up the middle or them running around the edge or him scrambling, and it's just a totally different behemoth. So, yeah, the Ravens moved up and down the field, and then Lamar gave the ball to the Steelers repeatedly. And it wasn't Ryan Fitzpatrick turnovers where he's literally just throwing straight to the other team, right? I mean, this is a result of the Pittsburgh Steelers playmakers on defense taking the ball away from Lamar, and kind of exposing him in the same way that the Chiefs have exposed him, which is their drop-back pass game is terrible. And if they can play that running game, then they like nobody can stop them. Because if the Steelers can't stop your run game, no one's going to stop your run game. But the thing is, with as many superstars as the Steelers have on defense, I mean, it's just fun to watch. It was like watching the Killer Bees pull rabbits out of their hats with under one minute in the fourth quarter constantly. They would make these incredible plays, and that's sort of what TJ and Bud and everybody on defense does at this point. So that's what the game came down to. I think the Ravens set all kinds of records for outgaining an opponent. Like they gained like 200 more rushing yards than the Steelers and 100 more passing yards or something and first team to lose that way. So they really moved the ball up and down the field. But the Steelers defense, you can count on them to make plays every single week. Well, if you step back and look at possessions, I mean, this, the the Ravens blew it. I mean, even in the first half, when you look at let's look at the let's look at the Steelers on defense, Baltimore on offense. So of their Six possessions, interception, touchdown, fumble. So two of the first three possessions they give away. Punt, touchdown, field goal. So where they had they should have opened up the game, they gave away. Let's assume they get another touchdown. I mean, then it's then it is um what are we, twenty four to seven at that point. Yeah, and he turned it over within in the five yard line, right? There was a fumble there. He had multiple fumbles. Two in the red I mean, if you talk about the whole game, he had two in the red zone. 
Yeah, and I mean, the last one's a little bit different because it was fourth down, and he's just trying to reach out to get it. But still, I mean, the one earlier was a really big deal. And remember last week, we talked about it with the Steelers against the Titans of how did the Titans make that comeback? And I don't necessarily think it's just because the Steelers blew it. I think that the Titans are a solid team. Maybe not as solid as we thought after losing to the Bengals, but I'm sort of sort of in jest, right? The, the Titans are obviously a solid team. But the momentum shifted, and the Steelers game against the Titans and Lamar Jackson shifted the momentum to the Steelers in the second half by throwing an interception on his first possession but by the way there's plenty of breakdowns on Twitter about Alex Highsmith's interception of Lamar Jackson he's basically playing coverage into the right flat and he has a tight end or running back going short into the flat and then another one going like mid-range into the flat at seven yards in the first half Highsmith went up and played the guy at the line of scrimmage. Lamar just dunked it over his head for a little 10-yard completion. Highsmith said the coaches showed him that play at halftime and said, hey, next time they run one of these, you need to sort of split the difference between the two players and make Lamar make a choice. And so that's what he did, and he was able to pick the ball off. So like I said, it's not just – you can't just say that the Ravens purely blew it. Um, They just have weaknesses that the Steelers exposed. That's Lamar having to – take care of the ball in that way uh it was a nice adjustment by highsmith and the steelers coaching staff to get that ball but back to the momentum thing the steelers got the ball in raven's territory ben hits a wide open ebron and knocks the saran wrap off and even though the steelers offense didn't drive down the field at that point they're like hey okay we got on the board ben's done a touchdown he feels a little bit better then they go have a beautiful drive later to score another touchdown and then the momentum shifted and from that standpoint you know like, uh, I mean, that's how the game turned around. But Lamar and them could have had the Steelers down 24-7 or something like you're saying, and that would have been an incredibly difficult margin to make a comeback from. Yeah, I mean, this game, when we tried to look at the we, – we definitely saw the offensive switch in the second half for the Steelers, but I'm still trying to figure out – and then it's, it sort of jumps out at you, four turnovers. And even if you count that yeah. last one, that fumble, it was still a turnover on downs. On They had a fourth down play. So right. there were some big plays. I think, um, I don't know, how, how much do the injuries, how much did the injuries affect both sides? I mean, with Stanley going down. Yeah. Do you think, do you think that the, because I felt that the defensive line had a good rush most of the game. I mean, we, we oh, lost yeah. contained several times. There were some really big chunk yard uh, chunk yardage plays on the ground. But generally, uh-huh. the, the defensive line lined up well. Again, the middle of the field is just so susceptible. But do More you than think anyone that the rush? The do you think the rush was aided by? I mean, obviously Stanley going up, Phillips got hurt. Yeah, I think that. I mean, it helps. But I mean, Devin Bush might be the most valuable player. I don't want to say in the league, but he's up there when it comes to playing the Ravens. I mean, not, not, I'm not saying MVP of the league, but you're talking about the middle linebacker position, which both serves to spy the quarterback. Okay, there's only three, four, three linebackers in the entire NFL, right? And Devin Bush is one of them. Can spy Lamar Jackson. You also have to go sideline to sideline on all those crazy stretch run plays that the Ravens ran. By the way, the Ravens went to an option offense at the end of the game where an incredibly fast middle linebacker would come in helpful for that. They also cover the tight ends, which is Lamar's favorite target. And so, yeah, Devin Bush being out is about as big as Ronnie Stanley being out to me. But, uh, yeah, I'd say that they cancel each other out. Both teams had injuries. I mean, Ronnie Stanley's a big one, and it sucks that his season's over. But thank goodness he got a long-term contract 
two days before the game or something you were saying, right? So luckily, you know, he got paid up, and I'm sure he'll be back next year. But uh, to address the thing about the middle of the field being open, that's what the Ravens do. That's what Kyle Shanahan does. That's what great running teams do. You have to be so scared of their run offense that you get sucked up towards the line of scrimmage and they just dunk it over your head. Now Lamar, Lamar can't throw outside the numbers. I mean, he, he has the arm strength too, but he has some inconsistencies in his throwing motion. And I feel like I've been scared of Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. I'm still scared of Lamar Jackson because he's amazing. I mean, he completely deserved MVP last year. He was a revel- revelation, right? But you are starting to see some of his weaknesses now. And I feel like I saw that with Baker when we played him a couple weeks ago. I feel like I saw it with Lamar. The ball just doesn't always come out the same of his hands. He has a weird little flick, and he just sometimes misses guys. He's just kind of one of those dudes. Now, the advantage is he's so unbelievable at running that he gets to hit wide open guys more often, you know? But uh, the Steelers were able to get in, into some situations where he had to make throws outside the numbers, and they don't have the receivers to do it, and he doesn't ha- they don't have the pass scheme to do it, and he's not really polished enough yet. Granted, you know, he's, he's barely played, so he can still get better, all things considered. So, yeah, I, I, I think um, if I'm thinking big picture about the game, how much of it is the Ravens blowing it versus the Steelers, you know, taking it? I think I sort of stated my case on that before. Like, the Steelers, superstar players, found ways to make plays to win the game. I mean, Isaiah Bugs on that final stop. I mean, what a great coming out party for him. Had a sack. You know, they got carved up in the run game a couple times, like you said. But that last play was amazing. I mean, there's a still frame where you think, oh, Lamar's not going to get the first. He's going to score. I mean, this guy, if he has an inch hole, he's going to score. This dude's electric. And Bugs holds his man spies on Lamar, makes Lamar choose a direction, throws his guy off, tackles him basically with one arm. So Steelers players made big plays. So I think it is a little bit of both. But, of course, I think that there's massively um, scary things about this Steelers team that need to get cleaned up. And the biggest one to me would be my second theme of the game, which is a scared, scared offense. Pansy offense. Scaredy cats. And that's Feetner. And I don't know how much of it has been. But that first half where their strategy was, hey, let's take our aggressively mediocre run game and run directly into the strength of the other best run defense in the league. And let's do it over and over again to the tune of 24 total yards. And then they realize, okay, that doesn't work. Let's throw. And they immediately go up and down the field and score. And to me, this is annoying because we've been talking about this on the podcast the whole year. Not not metaphorically, I have been saying the Baltimore Ravens, when you finally meet them, a team with a great defense and a great defensive philosophy, they won't let you do the dink and dunk crap. They're going to press you the whole game, and they're going to say, we're going to give you deep. You have to prove that you can go deep. And the Steelers were too pansy to do it until the second half, and they're lucky that their defense is so damn good that it bailed them out. So that unaggressive play calling i don't know what it is what do you where do you think it comes from the fact that they refuse to throw downfield well all game you were talking we were talking about this and you were noting how the ball how the ravens were impressed coverage and i it still find it hard to believe that that you can't take advantage of that are the their corners so good that you can't they get really good okay well but Steelers, i just want to who who's going to cover chase claypool Darrell Revis? Well, I guess that's Nobody, where I was, you know? That's just what I feel high. like. It, you, nobody. I don't care if it's Sanders or Revis. The rules of football favor Claypool now. 
So I don't care. Like if it was AB, they wouldn't. It doesn't matter if it was Sherman or if it was Chris Harris. Hadn't allowed a touchdown in two years, and they just they picked on him the whole time. So back shoulder passes out. I mean. Yes. I, I, that's why I would like somebody on the inside to explain why we weren't trying that. I mean, Ben was taking a couple shots downfield, still yeah, uh, not quite pinpoint. Hey, can I I just want to run back to something. You know, Connor was had 42 yards on nine carries in the first half. So he wasn't absolutely ineffective. It was Ben's four for 10 and 24 yards that really killed us. And it, and it just seemed, I mean, I take your point. Let's go. If you look at possessions, um, Three, five, five, and we had one long drive of twenty-three yards in the first. How half. many times? How many times did they run on first down? Every, every time, almost. I mean, it, it, you're just putting them behind the chains constantly. Yeah, Connor had a couple good runs, and and I'm not. I'm saying the Steelers' run game is mediocre. I'm not saying Connor is not a good back. Of course he is, but. It's just predictable, and it doesn't stress the defense out when you do this whole dink and dunk. And I think part of it's Feetner in Canada. I wonder this, Dad. How much of this is the organization being so worried that Ben could re-injure his elbow that they just don't want to take the chance letting it loose like that? I'm sure it's a combination of a lot of things. Number one, they have a great defense. So they're like, as long as we don't turn the ball over four times, we can probably win most games with our great defense. So I'm sure that's part of it. But you have Ben Roethlisberger, one of the greatest deep ball and intermediate throwers in the history of the game of football, who, by the way, when he throws deep balls... Yeah, he still needs to calibrate them, but it looks the same. It doesn't look like his arm is shot or anything, but are they just worried? And my other thing is when you have an elderly quarterback, as we have now, there's three things you look out for with these guys. A, does their arm die, like Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers? Okay, no, that's not the case with Ben. He's got a great throwing motion. It's going to stand the test of time. Tom Brady, no problem there. Rodgers, no problem. These type of guys, that doesn't seem to be the issue for them. Peyton Manning's career died with his arm after that neck surgery, right? Okay, next is like the legs. They say that's what they say. You got to Warren Moon, I believe, said that you got to watch out. Your legs are going to die first, and a lot of your power comes from your legs. That doesn't seem to be a big problem for Ben. And number three is, are they scared to get hit? And I really wonder if that's the thing with Ben because he's had a couple plays this year that freak me out with those backwards shovel pass, like the backwards basketball pass he threw to Connor last week. He did another one this week where he was getting uh, surrounded by three or four guys and he threw to Connor five yards behind the line to scrimmage. And of course, I'm never going to accuse Ben Roethlisberger of being scared. He's, we, we don't have to speak for his resume of two decades, but you also can't blame the guy. He's 38 damn years old. And does he is he just nervous because of the injury last year? Does he not want to push it deep? Like, where is this coming from? Because there the Steelers will get blown out by the Chiefs. I mean, it won't even be close when they play the Chiefs if they don't try to score points. Look, I <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think that it's a matter. I mean, I don't know what they're thinking about his elbow, but we're not asking him to pass downfield. We're asking him to pass further than further than a screen pass. And <laughs> right. when you look at, we can't go ten yards. I keep making that point. I mean, just send Ebron out seven yards and have him turn around and throw it high. So one of the one of the things that was also killing us is we were shooting ourselves in the foot. You think about the Ebron drop, Samuels. Claypool's fumble and Ben yeah, missing totally. Washington on that third down, which, which can happen. But let's face it. I mean, some of this was conservatism and some of this was lack of execution. And by the way, yeah, Jalen sure. Samuels is not Jeez. trade bait. Oh, you're saying nobody's knocking at the door for Samuels? We're dangling him out there. <laughs> Somebody, please. Like and by Halloween the way, the reason candy I say this, back. 
Well, the reason why it frustrates me is because Ben looks fine. I mean, we've said he didn't have one this past game, but every other game he's had a pinpoint deep throw or intermediate throw when it's like, okay, so he can do it. So why are we not unleashing this? And that's the problem. And I said it the whole year. The Ravens are great at this. They will make you, like, show them that you can address your weaknesses. You know what I'm saying? So that's where that frustration comes from with the lack of aggression. The second piece of frustration, and I'm not blaming this on Ben for everybody out there, but I'm just saying what, what are the pieces of this puzzle that have resulted in the Steelers you know, being so conservative? And we've said this for the past few weeks is the last piece of the Steelers team that we need to really consider the Steelers like an elite Super Bowl contender is a more uh, bigger place on offense. And, of course, they're a Super Bowl contender. They're the only undefeated team. But we need bigger plays on offense. When Ben throws it deep, he looks fine. So it's a mystery. Why are we being so cute? There, there are teams who will be able to shut you down if you refuse to do it. And then they go to no huddle. They throw eight, 12 times in a row, whatever it is, complete every single one of them, go all the way down the field, score easily. And we found out after the game that Ben's calling all the plays. Right? And, and it, okay, so this has been a thing for a few years. So Ben does like to make sure we know he's calling plays, like when it happens, right? And honestly, I can't blame him for that because nobody is more unappreciated by the media than Ben. Not the Pittsburgh media, but by the national media. So he's perceived as this dumb meathead when it's like, this is one of the most cerebral quarterbacks we've seen. He's been playing for 17 years. So I get it. You have to tell people that you're doing some of this stuff. So how much of that is, you know, real versus like, yeah, a lot of quarterbacks call plays for a while. But it does feel to me like (laughs) he's the better coordinator at times. I mean... I also know that Ben, as we've said, is a rhythm quarterback. Like, you can't just have him hand off, fake hand off, and then, okay, it's third and three, just throw something pinpoint. That's not really his game. He's shown that he can do that and play point guard this year, but you're, lim- you're, you're, you're taking a wheel off of the Ferrari there. I mean, Ben is scary because of the amazing throws he can make and the big plays he can make. So he needs to, like, get a bunch of throws in a row to feel good. We saw in the Killer Bees era, right, Dad? They wouldn't score a single point in the first half. They'd go two-minute drill in the end of the first half. They'd score a touchdown and explode in the second. So that's just part of what he does. But just the fact that he was drawing plays up in the dirt, like he said in the post-game conference, and they were playing backyard football because they finally found uh, personnel grouping that the Ravens would – you know, that they found favorable with the Ravens, that disturbs me. And this Feetner thing, we called it before the season started. Like, they're not going to fire him because you have Ben not playing last year as the, as the excuse. And we'll see, we have to roll the dice and we'll see what happens. And he's improved this year. Matt Canada has done some good stuff. But overall, frustrating. It's interesting that we saw an absolute abject lack of imagination in the first half after what we've seen over the last after the last seven games or six games. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of movement. I wonder, remember what I've always told you about coaches ever since you were a little tyke <laughs> there and that ridiculous peewee baseball. Coaches over coach. Well, I think there was absolutely no coaching. I, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's dramatic when you look at all the motion, the jet sweeps, all the plays we saw in the first half of the or third of the season, and we saw none of that. In the first half. By the way, we had 20 plays in the first half. There is no getting rhythm when you fumble, punt, punt, punt. Yeah, true. Exactly. And it's because, 
And by the way, like we're, I didn't anticipate spending this much time on this. We're just going with the flow here. We're letting the emotions come out. But this is really the story of the game to me. Well, let me. Uh, I, that's a good segue because in the Tomlin interview after post game interview, he said, "What's the difference between the first and the second half?" He said, "We moved to fluidity in the second half." Now, I don't know what fluidity is, but it means like we stopped talking to Ben and let him do his own thing. Because man, he was just to your point in rhythm, flowing, and not Wheeling overthinking it. I mean, it was it was like a juggernaut. It was a completely different team in the second half. Yeah. By the way, how many running how many rushing yards did the Steelers have in the second half? Five. <laughs> let's let's look that up in the record book. Was it five? It was five. Are you serious? I just completely guessed. Yeah, all the all the rushing yards were had in the uh, second half. You know, they barely had the ball because Lamar and, and the Ravens couldn't be stopped. But yeah, I guess the reason why my theme—it's so funny how we're, negative we're being. I was actually coming in. I've had a good mindset this whole year. You know, when Bush went out after the Browns, usually in past years, I would actually be depressed just because, like, yeah, we beat the Browns in a big game. Actually, I wouldn't have said that in any past years. <laughs> just said, no, we beat. Those little turds, once again, I guess, check that off the to-do list. But you'd be upset about Bush getting injured because that's got the Super Bowl implications. Okay, our team just got weakened. But I was like, this this is such a beautiful game to beat the Browns after all their crap talk. Hey, where – have you heard from those fans recently yet? Have you heard from have – they, have they told you why they lost to Oakland yesterday? Have you heard anything? I haven't – I just haven't heard anything. So I was wondering if you had or anybody else because they're they're very confident bunch – and they've, they've made their presence known. We're here, and we're Cleveland. And guess what? Odell's gone, you losers. We're going to smash you by 70. Odell's not there. By the way, you didn't even know how to use Odell, but when Odell was there, at least the other teams had to be, well, better make sure that he doesn't score a 50-yard touchdown. Now we just know, oh, the Kevin Stefanski special? He has three plays, run left, run right, and play action version. We are going to stomp you into the ground. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. But... Let's get back to the positivity. You don't want to be negative after you tie the all-time record for the Steelers for, in a start to a season, 7-0. and And the Steelers, if they take care of business next week, which I think they will against the Cowboys, it'll be the best start by the Steelers in history. And that's, you know, it's glorious. And, and this team is phenomenal. And they are a Super Bowl contender. But we, and I am enjoying it. And I'm enjoying it. I got to say, it's so much fun to watch. It's amazing. What a lovable group of players. Great personalities. They're very tight. They're friends with each other. They, Avery Williamson just joined the team. We haven't even mentioned that yet. D- new depth piece. The Spillane story, how tight TJ and, and Bud are. You know, Ben returning and, and the new pieces on offense with the receivers. It's a fun team, and I love it. And I'm enjoying it. But I'm sitting here, and I'm seeing a Super Bowl team. Right? This is really the Steelers' best chance in a while. And there is just two major flaws, which is that the offense is too scared to make big plays. And I'm scared that the Steelers haven't played any of the elite passing teams. Because the Steelers have Minka, and Edmonds has been playing together better. We like Hayden, and we like Nelson. We love the Silver Bullet. But let's be honest, there's no shutdown corners on this team. And if you play Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady and... Little Satan, the way that we played the Ravens, like you're not going to beat them. They're just going to keep, they'll, you can stop them, but they'll keep scoring. You're not going to be able to catch up. So I need to see the Steelers, especially in this run against these crap teams that they're about to go against, throw deep, figure out Claypool, 
right? Like you need to have a deep element to your game because you're going to need to win a shootout against a team that can uh, like mitigate your pass rush success like the Chiefs will be able to do if you can get far enough to, to meet them in the playoffs. And also the big play thing is like they need to learn how to put teams away. So that's why I think why I'm focusing on this. I think that's spot on because if you imagine that the Steelers are going to be able to put pressure on any quarterback, I don't care if it's Kansas City, and uh, that'll that'll take some pressure off the secondary. And let's assume we can stop. We're not going to have a problem with the run again. You still do worry about the secondary, but I feel less worried about it. It's sort of like a version of the team when we had the killer bees and a crappy defense. Well, we're not. Mm-hmm. We're three times the defense we were five years ago. But we're not quite the killer bees yet. We haven't taken the wrapping paper off. And I really think this is a matter of Ben getting in rhythm with his receivers. The the shadow side of having four, maybe I shouldn't use the word premier, but really high-octane receivers is you've got to yeah. spread it around. You get maybe that is less of a rhythm. By the way, yeah. aren't you bothered by the sort of disappearance of James Washington? I'm not bothered by it except for the fact that I feel bad for him because I think he could be a good NFL wide receiver, but it comes at the emergence of Ray Ray McLeod, the greatest football name of all time, who we called in this podcast. There's no way he's not going to be this incredible player. And we said it tongue-in-cheek, and it turns out that he's really freaking good. (laughs) Ray Ray McLeod got 22 snaps and a critical third down conversion in the fourth quarter, right? And he outsnapped Washington 22 to 10. And it's just hard. Like, you need Ray Ray McLeod on the field. I mean, he's so dynamic. And I do think, I always thought the Washington pick was weird. You're picking a deep guy who doesn't have big speed. We've talked about it. Somehow he has found a way in the NFL to get deep and make those big catches. But he hasn't been able to find that time with Ben. And it's like you're saying, they're like four, five, six, seven deep at pass catchers now. And so it's a bummer. But he's not really the guy that I'm focused on. I mean, you have... Claypool, you need to turn into DK Metcalf. I mean, he has that sort of potential, right? Deontay Johnson, I'm not going to say he's Antonio Brown or Emmanuel Sanders, but come on. We see some of that potential there as well. I mean, he's, he's absurd. And Juju is Heinz Ward. So you have three real stars at the top there. So I'm not totally concerned about James. I just love the fact that we have him on just in case any of those guys have to miss a game here or there. So, yeah, the... the I, I like that they're still feeding it to Deontay because he's just such a playmaker and he can make plays in all kinds of ways because he's such a great route runner. He's the only one on the team that can run kind of every route. So I support making him the main guy, but they really got to find a way to force feed Claypool too, I, I think, because I don't care if you have Marcus Peters or Humphreys on him. He, you can't cover him at a certain point. He's physically superior. Also interesting in that game, I was just looking at the percentage uh, plays that guys were in, and you made the point that Washington was in only for 10 plays. Ray Ray was in for 22. There was one guy in for one offensive play that had the potential to go Go ahead. Mondo? No, offensive play. Yeah, he played offense last week. Oh, no, no, no. You're right, you're right, you're right. Anthony McFarlane had one play. Oh. That had t- that if it wasn't touchdown, oh. it had thirty yards written all over it, didn't it? Until he hit the skids. I think he could have scored a touchdown. I mean, he is really fast. He just got in there, was way too excited. It excites and me. It was a wet, Yeah, it was a it was a sloppy game. I mean, there wasn't as much slipping and sliding as I thought there would have been, but he was victimized by it. That I questioned his picking him, but man, if that guy can just find a little daylight, he's gone. 
Yeah, he he's had these moments where he gets the ball in games, and he just looks. He makes the rest of the Steelers running backs look like college guys. They, I mean, they look so slow compared to how explosive he is. But it looks like this is such a cliche, right? But the game moves too fast for him. Like that carry, just it's a counter. Everything is blocked perfectly. Vance McDonald sealed his man. Just run. You don't have to do this crazy juke. Fall down. He fell down last week again. He's, he's he looks like the road runner or something, but without the balance, right? So they're moving him along slowly. But I do agree, he is an exciting player. I mean, Connor's playing freaking great right now. I mean, he's grinding out yards where there aren't even yards to be had. So, uh, but that's what I say about their you know mediocre. Maybe I'm underselling it a little bit, but it's no better than average. This run game. I mean, Connor's got such a heart that he finds a way to get through those cracks. But, man, if you could get McFarland the ball in the open field, now we're seven deep at touchdown scorers. Yeah, interestingly, Samuels got it. Benny Snell did not get in the game, and we had Jalen Samuels in there for eight snaps. I well, they've been talk playing about, about that. Yeah, they've been playing about that wing T position that he played in college, and it really is great. amazing, their dedication to this guy. The drop hopefully helps us fans in terms of them not playing him as much. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So well, let's flip over to the defense. I mean, th- there's, a, there's a lot good to be said. There were some awful, awful chunk plays that the Baltimore bit off from us that I'd yeah. rather not ever see again because it gave me flashbacks of four years ago. But the uh, how many sacks did we have? Four? Four, Yeah. Four and they had they had five last time they played the Mar three turnovers. Steven and this to time it. they the quiet, Steven. the quiet, <laughs> all pro. I mean, we talk about yeah. Uh, yeah Incredible. I call Steve. I like I have my own <laughs> names kidding. for each guy. Just like who was the guy I mis- misnamed last week? Dick I don't Butler. Remember. Dick Butler. <laughs> Rich <laughs> Dave Butler. Butler. Oh, Keith. Dick Dicky Butt. But let's talk about the emergence of one Isaiah Bugs. And a guy yes. I thought they were going to drop over the side of the ship, which is Henry Mondo, who's with the flowing, greasy hair. He seems like a Cajun. How is but, he a professional athlete? He just, <laughs> the pads don't fit him right. His to, skin is to, greasy. He's I have to, awesome. I have to take away my, my line that says, this is why your kid will never play in the NFL. When we look at him like, well, maybe he could. <laughs> if he's 6'8", right? No, Tuit was incredible. Cam... I mean, it's just redundant. Oh, yeah. Did Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, and Bud Dupree make huge plays all game long? Of course they did. They're unbelievable. Joe Hayden, poor bastard, getting that interception taken away. That was his nicest play of the season so far. Minka sealing the game. I mean, once again, Minka shows up, so you're you're seeing him make some bigger plays now. They're putting him in in tough spots. They're just kind of telling him to play center field. You get no help. Edmonds, we're not going to keep him back there with you, so... You know, a lot falls on his shoulders, and hey, it fell on his shoulders in the right way, ending that game. I think, uh, oh, it was also kind of cool seeing T.J. Watt in the screaming match with with Dick Butler. (laughs) I wish it was Dick Butler. Dick LeBeau mixed up with Butler. I'd take that. With uh, Keith Butler on the sideline, you kind of love to see that from your star player, right? I think I don't know if they were talking about mesh points on the option or something like that. Oh, my gosh. What about the play where T.J had the option and he basically took the running back and the quarterback by the way the quarterback's lamar jackson the slipperiest man in history and and makes that tackle i mean just unbelievable you know how many quarterback hits he had he had five wow and, and you they just don't want to see that guy coming 
Hey, you know what? Oh, real quick, speaking of quarterback hits, you know which play seems so dumb at the beginning of the game was Cam Hayward's uh, hit on Lamar, technically out of bounds. Thank you. So my question to the to the audience is, doesn't he ask for that? I mean, yes, I, we disagree. I mean, I, I no, no, I, mean, I agree. Technically, I rewatched it, but later on in the game, and I wrote the time down. I wish I had this where he pitter pattered on the sidelines. He was yes. clearly being driven out. Nobody had touched him, but he pitter pattered to come back in for you know another six inches. When you do that, I think you're asking. We got to seal the deal, and we have to take 100%. you, drive you out of bounds. Hundred percent. And he was not out of bounds. The replay. He's a full yard in bounds when Cam makes contact. I mean, it's different with other quarterbacks. It's like, hey, they're going out of bounds. And it was a weird play because Minka had him wrapped up in a bear hug. So, like, Cam's momentum just took, made it look like he was hitting him out of bounds because he ended up kind of tackling him to the ground when he was already out. But he was wrapped around him when Cam hit him. So the optic was bad. But you're right. Lamar Jackson got caught last uh, a couple weeks ago on NFL Films, mic'd up admitting that he flopped and he's drawing penalties. And Mahomes is doing it a little bit now, too. Where they, like, because for, for the if Ben runs towards the sideline, defenders know, like, okay, like, let him go out, right? And Ben will go out. I'm not saying because Ben's this altruistic guy. I'm saying because, you know, he's not going to make these crazy runs. Also, by the way, if Minka has Lamar Jackson in a bear hug, Lamar Jackson's not down. This is the best <laughs> scrambling quarterback we've ever seen besides Michael Vick. I mean, he can escape that. So he should be treated like a running back. So that was a, a, a crap penalty. And you know what's really nice is Brian Baldinger, Baldy, on Baldy's breakdowns, he put that up on his breakdowns today on Twitter and called out the NFL. For that. He's like, I usually don't like to call refs up. Like, what are you supposed to do here? And it really clearly shows them that Cam was, was in bounds when he hit him. But that's what it comes down to. I mean, they punished Lamar Jackson. I mean, it was a thing of beauty to see. They definitely made him nervous and, and, and aware of his surroundings in a way that he doesn't have to be in other games where he's just so much faster than everybody that he can escape. Of course he made his plays, right? But there are other times when he just can't escape. The Steelers' defense is just it's just freak city. And these guys, they're not scared of him. Did you hear Mike Tomlin said that in the, in the post-conference? He said, they asked about Lamar Jackson. I'm playing Lamar Jackson. He said, we respect him, but we do not fear him. Which was... So Mike Tomlin, and and borderline we disrespectful. We do not care. We do not care. We do not care. We do not fear him. Basically saying like you're not that great. That's amazing for a head coach to say that. Uh, and he's not saying you're not that great. He's just saying, yeah, you're awesome. But we got plenty of guys to deal with you. And that's what the Steelers did. And I knew when Cam Hayward made that hit that the coaches must have been making such a point out of that all week because Cam Hayward is not the guy to hit to jump on a pile or anything, and. The, the, the motto must have been, like, punish him. You will get the chance. Don't hit him late, nothing like that. But, like, you'll get the chance to hit him and do it well because the Steelers are athletic enough to actually get clean shots on him, right? So I think that that's a big thing, an advantage for the Steelers, is that they don't have to be scared of him. And, God, if Devin Bush was on the team, I mean, that would just be the, the next level. I've always said those modern defenses with the insanely fast middle linebackers, like that Jaguars defense, so terrifying with Telvin Smith and Miles Jack, when the linebackers are that fast, then you, you can't get away. There's, there's just nowhere to go. There's no weak, slow spot of the defense. And I think, honestly, like the second time, the next time the Steelers play the Ravens, and they might play three times this year, as they have played many times in the past, like the Steelers are in great position. Because what are the Ravens going to – the Steelers know now, okay, this option, we have to prepare for this. And I mean like the traditional option that they ran at the end of the game that they got diced with. 
We have to prepare for this. We know they'll throw in some wrinkles, but we know what they beat us on. What did the Steelers really beat the Ravens on, especially on offense? They don't know what we're going to do the next time we play on offense. The Steelers can just see, here's what didn't work. We have all these other options, and we realize, hey, we can't come out this flaccid against the Ravens next time. So the Steelers even have like a little bit of an element of surprise going into the next game, which is also in Pittsburgh. And, and I'm, I'm ranting and raving here because, I mean, this is Steelers-Ravens, right? Undefeated Steelers. But the other thing is Ben even has admitted to being nervous in Raven Stadium. He says it's his least favorite place to play, and he always looks shaky there. I didn't think that it would affect him this year with no, stand, with no fans in the stands, but he wasn't able to get in that rhythm because early, you know, they're being so cautious, and then when they get behind and they say, oh, well, I guess we got to throw, we're going to lose. Oh, I guess, I guess we're pretty good at this throwing thing. Oh, these receivers are pretty good. Oh, this quarterback's pretty damn good, isn't he? Then he forgets about all that. So I think that Feetner needs to do a better job of setting his quarterback up with that sort of early success. That means don't talk to him. Did you see that tweet, that picture on the on Twitter that uh, had Tomlin oh, yeah. talking to Randy? That's a classic one from <laughs> and last year. Had a gra- oh, it was okay. I missed yeah, yeah. it. No, it's great. It's always applicable. He stopped listening. He turned it off. Set the caption. Yeah, there's uh, he's not. They're not exactly wrong, but yeah, hey, I don't so know if I have can we, any other? I, yeah, yeah, go I'd for like it. to just I just like to celebrate the second team who had to step up. Bobby Spillane. Oh my gosh! I mean, can we just to start the game? The man. And we know that he is not a replacement for Devin Bush long term, and we're going to have some challenges covering. But the guy is a short tackler. That play was was glorious. The interception. I mean, amazing. And by the way, I mean, second time the Steelers play an AFC North opponent. Other team gets the ball. Browns did it. Ravens got it. They go three. Three and out, out. And by out, out, I mean on the third play of the offensive play of the game, the Steelers pick six them in their own territory, just like they did, Minka did to Baker in the similar area. So what a play by Spillane. But later, he makes a critical third down pass deflection against, God, I want to say Ray Rice because I see that 27 jersey, but it's J.K. Dobbins. And he, that's another awesome play. So he actually had two phenomenal pass defenses in the game. And, yep, he got caught on a couple other ones. And there were a couple runs that Dobbins made to the sideline where Spillane just had no chance of catching up to him. And you're like, well, yep, that's where we'd like to have Devin. But Spillane could be like a Vince Williams-level linebacker. You know, who's turned out, who has played well his whole career, Vince, but by this point in his career, he's turned out to be a, just a stalwart, solid, solid middle linebacker. So all I know is it's great news for that linebacker room. I think that that, you know, making the play against Derrick Henry and then having this in subsequent weeks has endeared him to the team and the fan base in a way that you could rarely do <laughs> unless you're Minka Fitzpatrick and you have nine interceptions in your first two games. But the Jets, um, you know, traded the Steelers' Avery Williamson. Uh, middle linebacker, and it looks like he's not going to start above uh, Spillane. He basically, he's basically the same guy as Spillane and Vince Williams. Very good against the run in small spaces, not great again in coverage, not a disaster, but not great in coverage. And so he just provides insurance for the Steelers because UG3 has this persistent ever-appearing back injury that he's been having problems with ever since college and it flared up again this week. So they needed another guy in there. But to speak to Spillane's success – the Steelers kind of came out and said, like, no, no, he's going he's gonna to still start. So that just tells you everything. They brought in a multi-year, solid NFL starter in Avery Williamson, and uh, he's, he's not going to start above Bobby Spillane, and the, and the legend continues. I posted, by the way, you should check it out. I put it on our Twitter. 
there's video in Spillane's family's house, a house filled with 41 jerseys, of when they saw the interception return live. It's awesome. Great. I'll check it out. Listen, I just want to add to that list Hightower, and we already talked about Isaiah Bugs. I mean, I and those guys are – well, Hightower definitely is a future starter. Bugs showed us great things yesterday. He's got a high motor. They could say he's not an athlete, yeah. but – Maybe when he's surrounded by the talent he was, he can show up. So that's very positive. Can we move to the kicking game? And I don't yeah. mean Chris Boswell, who is virtually invisible that game, but Jordan Berry. And it's like, you know, I know this doesn't make much sense to you, but Roy Jarella syndrome. I just worry when he gets the ball. The, his first punt was yeah. in the first quarter. Pittsburgh was at their own 18. He got a 34-yard punt to the Baltimore 48. Second punt, we're from our 33. He goes 47 yards to the Baltimore. Okay. You know, okay punt. Uh, Baltimore, 42, and he 34. Let me get the other one I wanted to talk about. The final I mean, punt he, is his shining moment, though, right? The The final punt was where I was texting you nonstop because we went off of ink, off of uh, phone communication. 56 yards. It worked so well. Yeah, his best moment of the day. And I was texting, like, he needs – this is where I really wish we had a good punter. This is where you need a good punter because with him, they're going to start at their 45. But, no, he showed up for that last one, and – he is the same thing I've been saying for years. He's horrific when trying to punt out of his own end zone. But he's a little bit better when he's a little further in the field. I can see why a, a field goal kicker is inconsistent to some extent, but I don't understand how a punter can be inconsistent. Yeah. <laughs> how can you hit it as far as he does sometimes? But. Well, I mean, he was better than Cole quits Ben, so it's going to be an issue for the Steelers for the whole year. But at least Barry's the devil you know. Um, I don't know if that's really a good thing. I don't know if there's any other punters out there. Maybe some punters listening to this podcast who would be willing to call in. So I got a call from your grandfather about 10 minutes ago. Somebody stole his razor. You know, well, facial razor. I'd say that's a problem, but I actually don't think that it is. Because something tells me he wasn't at the top of the line when it comes to razors and lucky for him we can hook him up or more precisely manscaped can hook him up manscaped number one in men's grooming below the belt above the belt listen 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control but there is one thing you can control and that's your damn body hair okay don't be a caveman don't be a porcupine. Don't be a bushman. Manscaped. Handle your business. You can shave in the shower. You can shave in the dark because they got a little flashlight on there. You can shave in a dark sh- shower, you know. But most importantly is it's got this skin-safe technology, the Lawnmower 3.0 in, per- in, in particular. has a skin-safe technology that makes it pretty much impossible to cut or nick yourself. And I will tell you, that is not an exaggeration. It is amazing. It's a game changer. Spend the money. Totally worth it. These things are super durable. I've had mine for years. Works phenomenal. You know, I'm not, yeah. Put together guy. That's what you want to be like, right? Manscaped made me that way. So let them make you that way. They also have four-piece luxury nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools. And it includes tipped tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grip nail file. They have bombs. They have creams. They have everything that you need. And you get 20% off and free shipping if you use the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use that code armchair. 
And let's not forget that uh, we have one game outstanding to bring us to 500 for the weekend uh, to bring our bank account back up to where it was last week, minus $5. Yeah, I guess you guys will know first. But uh, luckily, thanks to Bet Online, we were able to make our bets super easily there because it's a seamless digital interface, whether you're talking about the phone, laptop, pad, computer, whatever you need to be using. Bet Online makes it easy for you. They're going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on all of the action imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And wager we will. And I have a feeling that we're going to win that wager because the satanic Buccaneers, who are now public enemy number one, are probably going to make work of those giants tonight and it's nice because this podcast will come out after that happens so everyone can see how smart or dumb i am but really bet online gives you everything you need so head to bet online today bet online your online sports book experts so the steelers brought a 26 game streak or 26 quarter streak scoring streak for this baltimore ravens to an end third quarter interception punt and punt the last time the Ravens didn't score in a quarter was, I think, the last game of last year. Uh, which was against our backups, or our starters, and it was their backups. So that, that hurts. So let me, I'm going to sandwich a couple of last-minute statistics in here before we sign off. The Steelers allowed 265 yards on the ground during that win. That's the most they've given up in any game since 1993. And the most allowed in a win since O.J. Simpson and the Bills went for 254 yards in 1972. Well, the Steelers have a lot to improve on. Uh, At least we have that. Listen, here's what I think. The Steelers team is amazing. The Steelers team is special. There really is something about that. The camaraderie on the team, the depth, the way people have been, been... Like, depth is just such a huge thing. Also, the schedule... We've talked about that many times. You know, injury schedule luck is part of a Super Bowl run. The Steelers are phenomenal. I have moved from, yeah, like let's see what happens here, uh, into okay, this is the team we thought it was. This is a Super Bowl competitor. We said it in the offseason. Holy crap, that defense is coming back. They're the real deal. You plug Ben back in, even at 75% capacity, which is sort of what we're getting right now, then you have one of the most balanced teams, if not the most balanced team in the NFL. The only problem is there are some super juggernaut passing offenses and the Steelers aren't going to get a chance to play against any of them in the regular season. I'm talking about the Chiefs, who also have a very good defense. Not, not elite, but good and complimentary. Talking about the Buccaneers and the Seahawks, if we're talking Super Bowl here, which is, is it too early to talk about that? No. The Steelers need to handle their business, of course, but we're looking where the Steelers stack up with everybody else. And the two things that need to happen there for me are, well, it's just one thing. The offense needs to make more explosive plays because you're not going to pick up Stephon Gilmore in any lockdown corner or anything, which would, be, which would be helpful against those other pass offenses. But you just hope that your defense makes a couple plays. Pretty damn sure they will. But your, your offense really needs to be able to set a tone. So the Steelers have some cupcakes coming up right now. And, and Joe Burrow doesn't look like a, you know, he's not a cupcake. That, that team will be a little bit more difficult. But, damn, the Steelers are so much more talented than, than, the, than the Bengals, you know, in two weeks from now that it's got to happen. they got three cupcakes, and they got a rematch with the Ravens on Thanksgiving night in Pittsburgh. The Ravens will be coming off a physical game against the Tennessee Titans. So 
the Ravens got the Steelers off of their Titans game. Now the, the favorite gets returned. Okay? I need to see the Steelers experiment through the air. Let's make it happen. And at that point, oof, be afraid, NFL. You should be afraid now, but you should be terrified at that point. The Steelers take on the Dallas Cowboys next week at 425 Eastern Standard Time. As we said, followed by the Bengals, Jags, and Baltimore Ravens. Well, you know, the the Cowboys are 2-6. and The only teams they beat were Atlanta and the Giants. And they were were bludgeoned by the Washington Redskins. Sorry. I'll bleep that out. Bleep it. The Washington football team, 25 to 3. So never count any, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to extrapolate. Who wants to lose that game because we got cocky and looked past it? But after that, as you said, the Bengals, Jags, and the, and the Ravens. So a little bit of good news. I forget if we mentioned this, but we saw Cam Hayward go down once for, you know, what Tom, Tomlin described as cramps. And the second time he had something, you know, grabbing his leg. But I think it was a strained quad or something, and yeah. he should be back next week. So that is a huge sigh of relief for the Pittsburgh Nation. Also, a Lulu has a, a light sprain of the MCL. So that for a normal person like you and I, I feel like that sounds horrible, right? But it doesn't sound that bad. He's only going to miss a couple of weeks, hopefully, if all goes well. And, and he's been huge for the Steelers, so that, that'll be good. The Cowboys are down to their third-string quarterback. I don't know if Dalton's going to be playing next week. I, I kind of assume he would. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you just need to see the Steelers take care of business. It'll be time to blow them out. I will say this. The passing offense will get a the passing defense will get a little bit of a test when they play Burrow in a couple weeks. Now I don't know if Burrow will be able to even get off a pass versus the Steelers' pass rush and that offensive line, that terrible offensive line they have. But he can throw the ball downfield, and they got a couple, you know, a couple guys who can get down there. T. Higgins, so they'll get a baby little dose of of, of a vertical passing attack in a couple weeks, which is nice. Okay, everybody, rest up. You deserve it after that game yesterday. So visit the website, SteelersOutpost.com. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Or shoot us an old-fashioned email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery 
starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.